Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the fade. I'm Clay Travis. He is Todd Furman and I was on fire this past weekend. Bounce back performance for me. I couldn't lose Furman. Sitting at 11-4, and 5-1 and one in the NFL, 6-3 and three in college football. But you know I hate to brag or draw attention to myself. So let's that dive right in. Let, let's dive right into tonight's game. Ravens on the road against the Dolphins. Ravens are out. Most recent number at FanDuel. 7.5 point favorite. Over under 46.5. How do you break down Thursday night football tonight? We also have a good... Thursday night college football game UNC and Pitt we'll get to that in a moment but let's start in the NFL what say you about tonight's matchup? Yeah I mean I think this is interesting for a variety of reasons we know Lamar Jackson is a South Florida kid so it clearly means a lot more to him when he has a homecoming of sorts the last time we saw Lamar play down in South Florida he threw for more than 300 yards and five touchdowns this is a Ravens team that I think is a lot more offensive minded in 2021 than we've grown accustomed to because I think their defense leaves a lot to be desired And they had yet another injury on their back end. They're going to lose Deshaun Elliott for the season. So when you look at this Baltimore team, I mean, I still don't feel comfortable laying more than a touchdown on the road. With a short week travel and unfamiliar opponent, there's obviously some skepticism. We're going to wait and see who Miami names as their starter. I think the Tua would be about a one and a half to two point upgrade, given what we've seen from Jacoby Brissett, who has a much more elongated release, doesn't get the ball out of his hands nearly as quick. And that's kind of what you need to attack this Wink Martindale defense in space. So, When I look at the way these two teams match up, as the number continues to inch out, I lean towards the Dolphins catching seven and a half or better. And I actually like the first half under the total a bit. We've seen both of these teams as perennial slow starters. And I think we could have a feeling out process. So first half under for me and Miami plus a seven and a half would be my strongest leans on the game. Do you like anybody, any any prop bets that stand out to you? Anything for Thursday night football NFL style that is, uh, is worthy of hopping on in your mind? You know, I think anytime you look at Lamar Jackson against a team that plays as much man coverage as you're going to see from the Dolphins, you're inclined to bet him over his rushing total. I know you're not stealing anything by any stretch of the imagination here, but that's the prop that I always tend to gravitate towards with this Ravens team until they figure out exactly what they're going to get from their veteran running backs. And if you're looking for not the first touchdown score, but an anytime touchdown, I think Rashad Bateman has a chance to finally break through and maybe find pay dirt. I know Sammy Watkins is expected to be back in the fold, which will give them a trio of talented wideouts. But I get the feeling that Baltimore wants to get Bateman into the end zone, and this could be the perfect opponent to do it against. Uh, And at a price that's out there at FanDuel Sportsbook, I think Bateman worth a little bit of a flyer to get that first touchdown. Uh, Okay, I'm not a strong proponent one way or the other on Ravens-Dolphins. I do love Thursday night college football. UNC Pitt, I love the over here, Furman. I just, I'm in love with it. I bet it. I'm probably going to continue to bet it. 72 and a half. I know it's relatively high. We're coming off of both Pitt and UNC firing on all cylinders. You got two potential, potential first round draft picks depending on how exactly things go down in terms of Howell and Pickett. Uh, both offenses firing on all cylinders, not sold on either defense. 
are you with me on the over in this one? You know, that would be my lean, but I, I can tell you the betting market has major disagreement, and it's not recreational bettors that are driving this total down. We saw a number as high as 75 and a half, 76. It's as low as 71 and a half at some spots right now. And I think the big question that this total suggests is which team slows the game down? I mean, is Pitt going to be a little bit more deliberate in their offensive attack? I don't see that being a scenario. Kenny Pickett's been outstanding all season long. And while their loss a couple of weeks ago to Miami may have diminished a little some of the luster on his potential Heisman campaign, there's no doubt that Pitt can attack this Miami defense in space, much like we saw Wake Forest do last week and Notre Dame the week before, and seemingly every opponent that they face with a pulse. Now, the one interesting thing about Pitt is their defense has been a little bit better than they're being given credit for. I know they've played a rash of overs, but this is a North Carolina team who needed uh, some injuries in that Wake Forest secondary to really get things going. I mean, one of your beloved Tennessee transfers and Ty Chandler was a key cog in that fourth quarter comeback. We yeah. saw Sam Howell use his legs a little bit more than his arm. And I do wonder about North Carolina's ability in the passing game. I mean, Josh Downs is a great piece in the slot, but it's a far cry from what we've seen in the past from North Carolina, specifically last year when they had some NFL caliber wideouts on the outside. But hard pressed for me to make a strong case to go under. I lean towards the underdog, but probably won't be a game I'm running to invest in. Arguably, I mean, I don't even think this is crazy. The best Sunday game might be Saints on the road against the Titans when you consider I wore the... a shirt for you, Clay. Clay, I wore a shirt for you just, oh, for, uh, just for the Sunday I game. See. There you go, buddy. I see. That's, I appreciate I your support for my Titans. Okay. Uh, Saints on the road against the Titans. Uh, five and three Saints, seven and two Titans. Titans have won four in a row as the underdog. They have won five in a row overall. Should the Titans be nervous about the Saints? I'm on, just so you know, this is a part of the OutKick six-pack. I am on the Titans um, and I like the under in this game. Um, I just feel like defenses are going to dominate on both sides and uh, that there's not going to be a lot of points scored. How would you break this one down? I think it's interesting and I'm not going to take anything away from what the Titans have accomplished over the last month. I'd be a fool to do so. You mentioned it winning four straight games uh, outright as underdogs, becoming only the fourth team since the early 1970s to accomplish that feat. We saw it with the Denver Broncos a handful of years ago as well. When you look at the Titans, I am a little bit concerned by the fact that they're negative in terms of net yards per play. And what do I mean when I say that? They give up more plays defensively on a per-yard basis than their offense gains. And I know we saw that on Sunday Night Football where they were under 200 yards of offense, and Titans fans can say, well, they got conservative once they built that 14-3 to lead. I think there's a little bit of noise in the numbers here. And it's so much different when you go from the role of being the hunter into the hunted that they're going to encounter here. Also consider the fact that Sean Payton and the Saints team have been outstanding as underdogs. I mean, they've really thrived in this role. And you saw Trevor Simeon start to get a little bit more comfortable in the second half. Now, for the Titans, I expect Christian Fulton to be back out there. I mean, they cut Breon Borders, who had been on their active roster, which leads me to believe that they're going to get their top cover cornerback, which I think will help. I do wonder if Mike Vrabel is going to be stubborn, Clay, and run into the league's number one run defense, both from a yards per game and a yards per carry standpoint, because I'm not sure Jeremy McNichols, Adrian Peterson, and whoever else they elect to use will be able to do so. So I would lean towards the Saints, but I'm not running to bet them. Just don't trust the uh, health of Alvin Kamara, who I know missed practice on Wednesday. But I understand completely where you're coming from uh, in terms of going under the total. I like it under in the first half a little bit more, where I think both these teams can stay committed to the ground game. I do worry if one team faces a double-digit deficit, what it looks like if they start chucking it around. 
but I think it's an ugly football game. Wouldn't shock me. It falls 20 to 17. Not sure who comes out on top. Lean Saints, but do agree 100% with your underpick on this one. Uh, all right. Uh, here are my other picks, by the way. Eagles, Broncos, under 45. I like the Chiefs, minus two and a half. Also an intriguing game against the Raiders out in Vegas where you are. I like the Jags, plus ten and a half against the Colts. Patriots, minus a point against the Browns. And Atlanta, plus just shy of ten against the Cowboys. Any of those stand out to you in the NFL and what do you like uh, on the week? You know, one game I've actually already bet and I'm opposite of you is actually on the total that you mentioned in that Broncos-Eagles game. I went over the total at 44. And when you look at these two teams, I think Denver's found a little bit more in their passing game. With the return of Jerry Judy, you saw Teddy Bridgewater look significantly more comfortable when he had to push the ball downfield. And you're starting to see why they use such a high draft pick on Javante Williams as he's splitting the workload with Melvin Gordon. In comes an Eagles team that I think is a little bit banged up in their secondary. They're rather vanilla with some of their coverage schemes. And I think the Broncos will be able to dink and dunk. Meanwhile, on the other side, I think Philadelphia will have some success against the Denver defense that, in my opinion, exceeded expectations by a huge margin last week against Dallas. So I think this can be a sneaky over on Sunday. Uh, Some of the other dogs that you mentioned, I'm a little bit worried about the Falcons in this spot. The reason I say that is Dan Quinn has a level of familiarity with Matt Ryan and company. Uh, I know Atlanta looked great. You know, arguably one of their best offensive performances last weekend uh, against the New Orleans Saints. But at the same time, I think this Cowboys offense can break out of its slumber and really have some success. And I just wonder if Atlanta is able to keep up. So lean towards the Cowboys, but I think the number is pretty fair there. Uh, As far as that game right here in my backyard, I'm trying to figure out this Kansas City Chiefs team. I think you're on the right track in terms of buying low on Kansas City given their recent struggles. But they're more of a defensive juggernaut at this point than they are an offensive dynamo. I mean, they've really struggled to find the big pass plays over the top. I mean, Travis Kelsey looks like a shell of himself, which much to my chagrin was my first round fantasy draft pick in the high stakes league that you and I are in. Uh, And when you look at uh, Kansas City improving defensively, they're getting healthier. I mean, you get Traverius Ward back. Uh, We're seeing what Willie Gay has done as far as adding some athleticism to linebacking core. The trade for Melvin Ingram helped their pass rush. Uh, and Chris Jones kicking inside along with Frank Clark has made them a little bit better. Uh, I had no strong feel on a side there. Actually lean under the total in that game. Uh, but I do think it'll be a great contest and one where we'll see if Kansas City can get themselves back atop that AFC West race. Um, when you look, by the way, you're a Vegas guy. You've lived out in Vegas at least long enough to be a Vegas guy. Do you buy into at all the idea that one of the reasons the Raiders are having the problems they are, I think you can toss the certainly the John Gruden thing off on the side, uh, yep. but when you look at Ruggs, when you look at having to release their first round draft pick at, uh, at corner, is Vegas a storyline in those troubles to you? I don't think so. I think it gets a little bit overblown and the reason for that is I'll get to in a second. As far as Damon Arnett, I mean, this guy had a checkered pass to begin with. I mean, he didn't even play his final year at Ohio State when he was kicked off the team there. So I don't think any of this should really surprise people that he's had problems getting his head on straight and being able to live up to that first-round potential or what they thought was the case when Mike Mayock and John Gruden drafted him a lot higher than anybody anticipated. The rug situation for me is a little bit different. I mean, I think this is poor judgment and obviously don't condone what he did, that a young woman lost her life. But sometimes you can get caught up in the lifestyle. And Ruggs was shooting videos in terms of driving sports cars ridiculously fast. 
mean, there was stuff on his girlfriend's YouTube page as well. So that's as much being in the wrong place at the wrong time and making poor decisions that I think can happen anywhere in the National Football League. Now, are there some ancillary influences in Vegas that are easier to get sucked into than you're going to see everywhere else in the league in terms of Green Bay or Jacksonville? No doubt about it, but I also think it's the organization and specifically in the locker room where you need a little bit more leadership. You have to rein guys in. And NFL players have a lot more free time to get themselves into trouble, honestly, than what you see in other pro sports. And the reason I bring that up is because when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, they haven't gotten themselves into these kind of public situations. They haven't had to cut ties with players because they couldn't handle anything that went on away from the ice. There's no doubt there are some smaller stories there, and I'm not going to claim that everyone on that Knights roster since the inaugural season is squeaky clean, but nothing to the extent of what the Raiders are going through right now. So I think people who are looking to cast dispersions at Vegas unfairly do so. This is more emblematic of the Raiders' culture, regardless of where this franchise has been, than I think Vegas as a whole. But I do believe that teams have to do their due diligence because there are plenty of temptations here, more so than a lot of NFL, NHL cities, and maybe soon Major League Baseball uh, and the NBA that you have to be cognizant of to keep some of those faces of the franchise away and make sure the trouble doesn't find them at every turn. All right, I mentioned UNC Pitt that I liked the over 72.5 in that one. It's down, you said, to 71.5 some places. Here are yep. my other college football games that I like. I like Penn State uh, to get a win. That, that number has been right around to pick them all week. Uh, I've got the under in that game as well. I like Tennessee. I'm going to be on the road. We're going to be there with the OutKick bus tour. I'm also taking my three boys uh, to this game, Georgia-Tennessee game in Neyland. Uh, we're going to drive up there tomorrow and spend the weekend in Knoxville. Oh, I like Tennessee hold on, to Hold cover. on one second. Yeah. Hold on one second. One of your sons didn't want to go to Monday Night Football because he was worried that the Titans were going to get embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills. But suddenly going on the road to so Neyland what? Stadium in Knoxville as a 20-point underdog, He's brimming with optimism for this game? Well, it's a fair it's a fair point. Now, he didn't want to go because he said he thought they were going to lose and he had school the next day and he has to okay. get up early in the morning for school. So he was like, you know, I mean, it's a solid hour commitment to, to get back after the game, get to your car, everything else where we live in the Nashville area. So I understood that a little bit. We weren't going to get home till 11 o'clock. Now he gets to go stay in the hotel with dad and his brothers. He's done with school on Friday so he's going to be up there Friday and Saturday night um, and uh, and so that factors in uh, I think here as well. Plus it's relatively rare. I mean this actually works out well. I've got the three boys 13, 11, and 7. It's relatively rare that we have a weekend where none of them have sporting events or extracurricular obligations so this is like kind of amazing that they none of them have anything so I can drive them all up there on Friday and we can have a, uh, a good time and not have to worry about them missing something or taking them out of school or whatever else. So I'll talk about why I like Tennessee in that one in a minute. Well, uh, hold on. I got, hold yeah. on a second. I got follow-ups here before you get into your game. Yeah. Two questions from that. The first one is, why is there not a helicopter to get you back and forth from your home to Titans games? That's question number one with this newfound <laughs> wealth and riches that you have available. And secondly, is the Travis family going to pull the weekend double doing Tennessee-Georgia on Saturday and following up with Titans-Saints on Sunday? I don't think the Titans-Saints game because I don't think we're going to be back uh, in time for that game. Um, And I need to check and see. I'm not even sure. I think we have tickets for that. I got to figure out what I'm going to do there. Uh, But so let me explain this Tennessee call, by the way. 
Georgia's only given up 59 points all season. Nobody can score on them. Uh, Nine weeks of the season to only give up 59 points is frankly unheard of at any point over the last 20, 30, 40 years of college football. Even more so though right now where even good defenses have given up 150 points they're roughly 100 points better. What I think Tennessee can do particularly in the first half is hit Georgia with some big plays. It's very hard to go length of the field 12, 14 play drives on Georgia and consistently execute. Tennessee, I believe, can hit a couple of chunk plays score some points. I think there's a decent chance that Tennessee scores 17 or 21 on Georgia which hasn't happened for anyone so far. Maybe, in an ideal world from my perspective as a Tennessee fan Tennessee could even get up early kind of ride the momentum of a crowd and see how Georgia plays considering they haven't had to play from behind the entire season. So I think this number is just too big. Tennessee's offense has been effective. Georgia, while they've held everybody to 59 points, they haven't really played a lot of great offenses so far this year. What do you think about me tapping the veins and being all in on the balls this weekend? I'm not sure I tapped the veins this week with the Vols, but there's no doubt it's the only side to look at in this game for a lot of the reasons that you outlined there. I mean, Georgia's met every test so far defensively that they've encountered all season long. But you look through the schedule of opponents they faced, you know, where's a true living, breathing, dynamic offense? We thought it was going to be Clemson week one. That hasn't been anywhere close to the case. Uh, You look at some of their uh, other opponents, UAB, South Carolina, Kentucky, I guess Auburn would probably be the best offense that they face, maybe Arkansas, but none of those teams, in my opinion, have a true vertical passing game that really scares you. And I think if you're going up against this Georgia defensive front, that's got to be where you make your hay. And the reality of it is if Josh Heupel's team is able to pick up a first down or two, they can play with some tempo. They can force Georgia out of its comfort zone that they can't use some of that incredible defensive line depth. And we've seen Tennessee score against, you know, good teams already this season. I mean, they made a uh, slightly above average Kentucky team last weekend look real pedestrian. We saw flashes of brilliance against Alabama earlier this season from this Vols offense. And you're exactly right. I mean, Georgia hasn't really been punched in the mouth yet this season where they've had to face some of that adversity. And and while you look at Stetson Bennett and company, I still believe JT Daniels gives them the best chance to win a national championship because it gives them a balanced attack. I can't argue whatsoever. I was looking for 21 myself to try and back the Vols. I'll also go one step further and say I actually like this game over the total a bit because if Tennessee is going to be the side, it's not because this game is being played, you know, in that 34-17 range. I think it's because Tennessee is able to score. So I think there's a rare correlation between the underdog and the game going over. Uh, All right. Also, uh, I like uh, the South Carolina, Mizzou, the over. Uh, Kentucky, Vandy, I'm taking the Commodores and the points. A&M, I like a minus two and a half on the road at Ole Miss and then I like the Arkansas LSU over. Those are all of my college football picks. Any of those stand out to you, Furman, that you think are worthy of diving into? Uh, I think the A&M game uh, is fascinating because when you look at what Ole Miss has been able to accomplish this year, they have the third longest winning streak in the SEC at home behind, I believe, Alabama and Georgia at last check. I mean, Lane Kiffin, to his credit, has really created a home field advantage there. Or Ole Miss, once that offense starts clicking, it's extremely difficult for opposing defenses to slow them down. Now, the one thing working against Ole Miss in this spot is we're still not sure how healthy 
that receiving core is going to be. Jonathan Mingo hasn't played in an eternity. Dontario Drummond, I don't expect to be out there. And I think Braylon Sanders, who's worked his way back from injuries, is still far from 100%. The other thing layered into it for anybody that watched Ole Miss's game last weekend against Liberty, you know, Matt Corral hasn't shown that big explosive capabilities as a runner that made him so valuable in their win at Neyland a few weeks ago. And I still think that lower body is bothering him. So if I'm Texas A&M and I'm Mike Elko trying to craft a game plan, I'm going to make Matt Corral dare to, I'm going to dare him to beat me with his legs rather than Jerry and Ely, you know, Henry Parrish or Snoop Connor getting going. Because if you back out Ely's 70 yard run last week against, you know, Ole Miss's former head coach and Hugh Freeze, uh, the Rebels really didn't do a whole heck of a lot on the ground. Now on the other side, I think this A&M defense speaks for itself. I mean, they've really found their footing. We knew this unit was chock full of NFL caliber talent you know, both in the defensive front and the secondary. Now, as far as their offense is concerned, Zach Calzada has been more of a game manager. I love the opening script early on against Auburn. Then he got sucked into a lull where I think he went, you know, one of 11 or one of 10 throwing the football before regaining a little bit of confidence. Uh, but this is an AM team that still didn't score an offensive touchdown against Auburn. But I think against Ole Miss and the way they want to try and defend you with that rush three, drop eight mentality, you're going to play right into the Aggies' hands. So let's see if there's a little wrinkle from Ole Miss defensively, but I'll make the case that AM is a top three, top four team right now. They're just going to get haunted by those back-to-back -back losses against Arkansas, Jerry's World, and the home loss against Mississippi State because now they're sitting here with a win this weekend. They'll still need a little bit of help, obviously, from Auburn or Arkansas to knock off Alabama to get themselves into the SEC championship game, which, to be quite honest, I think for me is more fascinating to watch Georgia take on AM than it will be to watch Georgia take on an Alabama team that's really struggled along the offensive line in recent weeks. What else is standing out to you in the college football slate? You've always got some Mountain West game that you're betting. <laughs> I do have a Mountain West game. I just don't love it this week. But I think when you look at San Jose State uh, getting healthier, they were pretty unfortunate last weekend in their game against Nevada, lost with a game-winning field goal in the waning seconds there. Uh, but former Mississippi State quarterback Nick Starkle back in the fold he gives them a lot more of a puncher's chance. And this Utah State team, for me, I think is a little bit overvalued. But a credit to Blake Anderson and what he's been able to do, a team that a lot of people pick to finish at the bottom of the Mountain West, fighting for a division title. Uh, and I'll actually stay in your state of Tennessee, but while you're headed east, I'll head west to Memphis. Uh, I'm going to pick East Carolina to beat Memphis outright. I know the Liberty Bowl has been a tough place to play. Memphis fresh off their win against SMU. But quietly since the early October, ECU has really figured things out on the defensive side. I think they have an underrated quarterback in Holt Nailers. Uh, and I think the Pirates are catching too many points there. So give me ECU to get the outright win and get bowl eligible, which feels like something that hasn't happened in a damn near eternity. Uh, all right, last question for you, Furman. What did you think of Yellowstone season four debut? Oh, incredible. I was glued to the edge of my seat right from the start. Didn't know how they were going to get things off the ground. I don't want to give out spoilers because I know a lot of people, you know, maybe a couple weeks behind, uh, but arguably the best show going on TV. And I think Clay, and I hate to admit it because I am also a CBS employee, them using the trailer for Paramount Plus for the Yellowstone origin story with Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, it's going to sucker me into like my 97th streaming service. Uh, but I think they've done a great job with the show. Kevin Costner crushes it. Cole Hauser is outstanding. Uh, and I don't remember her name, but when you listen to Beth in real life, in terms of her speaking, it reminds me of the same thing when I watch, you know, Bobby Axelrod in Billions, and they go behind the scenes. All these actors that can throw their accents completely off their natural dialect, 
to try and carry off a Southern mentality or in this a little bit of that country Western style. Incredible. You know, I have enough trouble speaking English and they have to try and do so in character in a different language. It is pretty incredible. Did you notice in episode two, the outkick, the coverage shout out? Uh, I did not. Do I have to go back and watch it? Was there really yes. an outkick? Uh, oh, no, no. Out- that's a lie. That that was not. Hold on. Saying you outkicked your coverage in terms of how you married into it. I don't think it was a direct salute. That's to a you, direct salute. I mean, it's a direct salute. You, you've completely dropped it, though. You're just outkicked now. You're not outkicked the coverage. I just the, want to know, Clay, being the big celebrity you are, when are they going to pick up the phone and you're going to get a cameo in one of these shows? That's I what I want to know. Whether you know, it's Billions, whether it's Succession, whether it's Yellowstone. I mean, I know you watch everything under the sun, but maybe you could be a drug peddler in season four of Ozark. I'll tell you this. I already have played myself in the legendary, uh, in the legendary college football show, Blue Mountain State. Do you remember that? I, I never actually watched it. Was that one that went straight to VHS tape? And no, I no, this is it? this is iconic. Blue Mountain State. I played myself, and for years, people. I mean, it was you know like on the streaming services, and it was always airing. Um, and so for years, people would send me emails. I got like a two dollar residual check. Uh, but I would <laughs> love, I would love to have a uh, a line of some sort in Yellowstone in Succession. Uh, in uh, Ozark. The question is, I'm considered to be a little bit controversial now. So the question is, yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit controversial. So so sometimes people love me, but they're still nervous about putting me in their show. But yes, no charge. I would show up. I would be ecstatic to be in any of the shows that I watch. I mean, I'm not saying I can play myself. you You know how great of an actor I am. Yeah, I know. I've seen it from all those skits we did. I mean, yeah. it's amazing that you haven't won an Emmy in a variety of different categories. Either playing this yourself, really supporting actor, or anything else. I mean, at least if they put you on set, they're not going to let you riff or go improv. They're going to give you one line, you deliver the line, and they get you the hell out of there so you can't upset the entire apple cart. I, mean, I can play myself. For any of these I can play myself easily. Furman, we'll be back on well, Monday. definitely a character. No one will dispute <laughs> that, Clay. We'll be back on Monday. Go Big Orange. Hope to see a bunch of people up in Knoxville for the Georgia-Tennessee game. I'll talk to you uh, Monday, my man. Hey, have a safe trip. Tell the boys to enjoy the game and hopefully you guys are in for a four-quarter fight at Neyland. Amen. He's Todd Furman. I'm Clay Travis and this has been The Fade.